Hey folks, Brian Cook, your host here with a couple of words from our new sponsor, T-Fury. T-Fury is the original pop culture t-shirt destination, selling unique designs every day since 2008. You can snag their shirts for only 24 hours starting at midnight. Missing a shirt from the past and want to get it again? Head to T-Fury Gallery where you can buy some old designs still in print and vote on others to come back from the dead. Every two to four weeks, T-Fury adds more designs to their gallery, so be sure to keep an eye out for the return of your favorite shirts. T-Fury shirts cover all your favorite topics and fandoms. They've got everything from gaming, sci-fi, anime, TV, movies, pop culture, and more. Their t-shirts change daily, so check back as often as you'd like. Also, don't forget about the T-Fury After Hours sale. If you miss the day's shirts by only a little, they keep the sale going into the wee hours of the morning just for you. This December, T-Fury has some awesome shirts that'll make great gifts for the pop culture enthusiast in your life. So check out tfury.com and see what today's shirt is all about. T-Fury, wear your art on your sleeve. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you found the Internet's number one most trusted source... For Muppet Boners and Horny Loners. Today you're going to hear round two from a show recorded way back on August 12, 2012 at the Nerdmelt Theater in L.A. featuring Adam Caton Holland, Andy Wood, Baron Vaughn, Kyle Kinane, and Timmy Williams reading pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions. First you'll hear them choose topics and then we'll fast forward to hear the finished pieces. Enjoy. Yes. All right. So while you're beavering away on that, I need somebody from the crowd to play a little game of Batman villain or not a Batman villain. Who would like to volunteer? Someone? Really? Yeah, that guy right there. Give a big round of applause for the dude whose name we don't know yet. Come right up here, sir. So what you're going to hear... What's your name, buddy? Cameron. Cameron. Right on that mic. You're going to hear a list of names. Okay. And you're going to have to guess whether this is an actual Batman villain from the 1960s Batman TV show. Okay. Or not a Batman villain <laughs> from the 1960s TV show. You will hear the name of not only the actor, but also the villain. Are you ready, Cameron? I think so. Did I remember your name? Yes. Fantastic. We're going to start you off with a softball. Cesar Romero as the Joker. True. We're going to go with Batman villain or not a Batman villain? <laughs> Batman villain. Batman villain, correct. Burgess Meredith as the Penguin. Batman villain. Very good. Batman villain. That's two out of 15 so far. <laughs> Fart Brownstreak as the Cuntus. Not a Batman villain. Not a Batman villain. Ida Lupino as Dr. Cassandra Spellcraft. I'm going with not a Batman. Oh, Batman villain. Ooh, real Batman villain. Barbara Rush as Nora Clavicle. Not a Batman villain. Batman villain, yeah. That's a Batman villain. I thought I knew this show. Yeah, a lot of people did. Jacques Bergerac as Freddy Touche the Fence. Freddy Touche the Fence. Batman villain? Batman villain! <laughs> Leslie Ann Felchwater as the Crimson Spinster. 
<laughs> Not a Batman villain. Not a Batman villain. <laughs> Carolyn Jones as Marsha, Queen of Diamonds. Batman villain. Batman villain. The very villainous Marsha. <laughs> Classic. Anne Baxter as Olga, Queen of the Cossacks. Not? Ah, Batman villain. <laughs> Batman villain. Who could forget old Anne Baxter? Penelope Spank Dream as the Banana Pony. Not a Batman villain. Not a Batman villain. Not a Batman villain. That's actually my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Ethel Merman playing Lola Lasagna. Ooh. Yeah, Batman villain. Batman villain. Look out for the gritty reboot of Lola Lasagna in the next Chris No. No, okay. Got that. Leighton P. Dude Chowder as Krabby Mike. Not a Batman No, not at all a Batman villain. He was actually our 14th president. <laughs> MacArthur Flop Sweat as the Chunky Spelunker. Not a Batman villain. Cameron's getting the hang of this, folks. Not a Batman villain. Tallulah Bankhead as Black Widow. Batman villain. Batman villain. And finally, Shecky Horowitz as the Frugal Kugel. Batman villain. It was a simpler time. No, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. There was no Shecky Horowitz, at least not as the Frugal Kugel on the Batman side. That's, uh, you got 13 out of 15. If somebody wants to do the math and give us a percentage at some point during the show, you're welcome to. Sir, what you win, give a big round of applause for Cameron. What you win, sir, is a guaranteed suggestion for the suggestion round. You got something on the top of your head there? Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. The Cosby Show. The Cosby Show. All right, man, have a seat. Thank you so much for playing. Batman villain or not a Batman villain? All right. Now, without further ado, we're going to bring in the round two comics who will be choosing. If anybody still has a uh, card, pass it down the end of the aisle and give it to Ian. We're all good. Awesome. Let's bring to the stage Timmy Williams, Baron Vaughn, Adam Caton Holland, Kyle Kinane, and Andy Wood, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. There they are, looking primed and ready. Bunch of dudes. Ian, if I could have that bag from you, buddy. Yes, it's going to be good. Let's start with Mr. Adam Caton Holland. He's wearing a backpack. He looks like he's all ready for his first day at junior high school. I'm excited. Step up to the mic, man. Come on up here. Adam Caton Holland, Denver's own Adam Caton Holland. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Second time. Second timer, this guy. You, Adam Caton Holland, second timer. What do you mean setting the timer? This second, second time. This oh, is... I thought you said setting the oh, time. Boy. I was like, that's a timer. Up to a... It's actually the rip. fourth time, Brian, fourth, but thanks for remembering. Fourth time. <laughs> That was Adam Caton Hall. All right, that all night, everybody. All right, all right. Let's see what we got. One change since Bridgetown. Now I draw the names. <laughs> Moves along better. So let's start with uh, Rugrats. How do you feel about Rugrats? So I can either take that or I can just... Oh, if you don't, if you want to choose another, the audience decides. I didn't explain that to you fine people. Thank you for that question. If they okay. draw a second right. name, you guys decide. Okay, I would like to draw a second name. All right, we're going to draw a second name. We've got a wrinkle in time. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. Who would like to hear Rugrats? 
<laughs> Presumably the guy that suggested it. The guy in the it. Jenny Light t-shirt wants to hear Rugrats. Yeah, he wants to hear some kid sex real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Who would like to hear a wrinkle in time? Yeah, wrinkle in time, so it is. There you go, man. All right. Baron Vaughn, come on up here, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> Baron, how do you feel about the Cosby show? Um, I feel like that's hack. For okay. Me, for me to do it. <laughs> Look, because I would nail that. I, <laughs> and by that, I, I now sweater in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out that when you got stuck with Punky Brewster in yeah. Portland, you were like, I only watched black shows. <laughs> The memory of how I said that is very different than how it actually... You can hear my voice versus his impersonation. And you can I, tell I only said, I only watched black shows. <laughs> Such as what's happening now. And Sanford and some... Well, how do you feel about Rainbow Bright? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Um, another one. I, I, I can't think of Rainbow Bright. All right. All right. Sequest. <laughs> Who wants to hear Rainbow Bright? <laughs> Who wants to hear Sequest? <laughs> wow. There you go. Mm. Could have had the Cosby show. <laughs> Mr. Wood, step up to the mic. Andy Wood. How are you feeling about the Cosby show? Uh, not, not so great about that. Not so great? All right, all right. Let's see. You know the last guy's just going to get stuck with it, right, Kyle? <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't know. You guys are going to have to tell me if this is a real thing. The Yiddish Policeman's Union. Yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> all right. It's a book? Okay. Andy Wood? That sounds McSweeney's-ish, is it? <laughs> that sounds mad McSweeney's. So, yes. Is that his thing? No. Okay. Um, I'll take the next one. Take the next one. Okay. But you guys are going to... Someone got me. I like that. It's, uh, if you can't see it in the back, they drew a turtle with a big dick. That's... Just pulled that right out. And naturally, their suggestion is Trail of Tears. Is that, is that pop culture? <laughs> it's a historical reference. Uh, if you can work in a tortoise with an erection, more power to you. So uh, I put it to you good people. What do you want to be horrified by? Let's hear it for Yiddish Policeman's Union. All right. Trail of Tears. Jimmy Williams. Hello. How do you feel about the Cosby Show? I'm so nervous. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna we're, then we're gonna call that one, and then the other is Davy and Goliath. Like Davy the Bible Goliath. or the show with the dog? I say that's up to you, my friend. Okay. <laughs> Audience, would you like to hear the Cosby Show? Davy and Goliath. Davy and Goliath. All right. Okay. Finally, Mr. Kyle Kinane, champion from last time, if anybody was here. Yes. Tell everyone what we had to write last time. Rent the musical? Yeah. 
That got weird fast. Your first option is Pawn Stars. Let's just hear what the next one is. All right. <laughs> Full house. I put it to you good people. Who wants to hear Pawn Stars? Who wants to hear another Full House? All right. Pawn Stars it is. Let's give it a big round of applause for the second round, folks. Y'all are dismissed to go. Another awesome round. All right, I see some people lingering in the back. I think we're ready. Let's get the round two contestants back up here. Timmy Williams, Baron Vaughn, Adam, Kate, and Holland, Kyle, Kanane, and Andy Wood, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if it works. Andy Wood, ladies and gentlemen. Apologies for using a laptop. I, I type faster than I, than I write. Um, so Trail of Tears is mine, and I'm gonna ask um, forgiveness in advance. <laughs> For whatever might happen here, guys, uh, I'm not racist. <laughs> the year was 1831. A young Choctaw squaw by the name of Nita, meaning bear, awoke to greet the day with a heavy heart. This would be the last time she would behold the sunrise in the native land of her honorable Choctaw people. She could scarcely believe that she would soon be on her way. Hevataneo, a Cheyenne name meaning hairy rope. Honestly, I looked it up. Hevataneo was lingering just outside of Nita's wigwam, tanning the last of his hides in preparation for the long march ahead. It brings me great displeasure to think of leaving my homeland behind. This trail we see before us Legend has it, this trail is beset with tears. Almost as though it were a trail of them. <laughs> a trail of tears. Nita sighed deeply. Legend has it indeed. But what are we to do? The pale faces have deemed it so. <laughs> we must be brave and hold our heads high. As she lifted her head to the heavens and upturned her arms, her tribal garment raised itself slightly, revealing just a hint of her native felted mound. <laughs> It's olive hues blending with the clay of the earth in a super sexy way. <laughs> Hevataneo's headdress began to slip from his lustrous head of jet black hair, lubricated by the glistening moistness of the perspiration that gathered beneath. He tugged at his proud neck adornment as he gulped, uh, yeah, hold our heads high. That's what we have to do. Hava, I call him Hava for short. You guys are welcome to also for the rest of the story. <laughs> Adjusted his breech clouts. That's a real thing that people wore. I looked it up. <laughs> Adjusted his breech clouts to make room for his rapidly engorging flesh peace pipe. <laughs> he walked toward Nita, tucking his magenta mushroom into the belt of his ceremonial attire. <laughs> we must be on our way soon. Oklahoma awaits us, he whispered as he pulled Nita towards him. He could feel her shiver and could detect that her brown nose baloney bags <laughs> had become erect in anticipation. Must you put on your mucklucks so soon? <laughs> we 
We need not be on our way until our shadows become as short as the penis of a turtle. So they could wait until like noon probably was about. Why don't you make yourself comfortable and enjoy these last few moments of self-governance? There's so much more, I'm so sorry. Uh, Nita's pulse quickened and as Hevataneo wrapped his arms around her waist to caress her from behind, she became ever more aware of his pump-action porridge rifle <laughs> as, it pressed, as it pressed against the downy small of her back. She slowly reached down to sample the goods that Hevataneo had to offer. As she took his wobbly wigwam warhead into her grasp, she guided her hand toward her quivering cloven tuft, which had become wetter than a late summer Choctaw storm. Uh, Modern day Mississippi for any geography buffs in the room. Um, Havataneo could restrain himself no longer and he dropped to his knees as if to pray to his non-existent gods. For a reprieve from the miserable journey that lay ahead, or at least for rain or something. He squeezed Nita's ruddy buttocks as he lifted her hide skin thing that covered her and buried his visage into her pink canoe. <laughs> Nita cried out in ecstasy as his tongue flicked back and forth across her oppressed pinto bean of lust. <laughs> as a squaw who had lived but long enough to see 17 harvests, these feelings were new to Nita, and she could scarcely contain herself. Succumbing to the throes of passion, she cried out, her tears foreshadowing the aforementioned trail that I have to write this thing about. She pretty much came really fast, is what I'm saying. What about you, she asked, as Havatneo wiped the firewater produced by Nita's bitch wrinkle from his proud jaw. Bitch wrinkle was too much? Jesus, you people. I lost my spot. I'm fine, don't worry about me. I have a feeling we'll all make it out of this just fine. As he said this, the bare head of his whore thermometer was still peeking through the garment thing he was wearing that I can't think of another word for. Nita saw it and lost all control, taking the entirety of his uh, um, member into her welcoming young mouth. At a certain point, you just run out of words for it. Whatever we face in the future, it will all have been worth it, moaned Havataneo. Suddenly, as though the non-existent gods I talked about before themselves had answered the prayers of these two cum-drunk indigenous peoples. <laughs> a man approached from behind Nita. His face perfectly blocked the sun in Hevataneo's eyes, but he could make out a phenomenal head of hair. Just an amazing, wavy, rock star looking quaff that might look good someday on a $20 bill. <laughs> As he approached, his presidential pork steeple protruded from his pressed pantaloons, purposely pointed at the presented penis penitentiary, protruding from the proud trout basket of the squab and over in front of him. Thank you. They call me Old Hickory. The leader of the fledgling nation proclaimed, and you're about to find out why. His executive order manifested its destiny in the fertile fields of Nita's fur burger in one swift motion. And as his manberries slapped against the underbelly of the young aborigine, he high-fived Tivataneo. Simultaneously inventing the act of high-fiving and the sexual position that would come to be known as an A-frame. 
Nita's, Nita's native holes were fuller than a harvest moon horn of plenty. And the squaw squealed in delight as the president's maze continued to pound her squish mitten. Squish mitten, you guys. Um, Hevataneo's cattle prod began to reach its point of no return, and as he winked at President Jackson, the two both knew they were about to unleash their love tapioca. Nita, Nita knew just what to do. She worked her sex button over as though grinding some grain that her people had domesticated into some sort of paste I didn't have the time to look up. And as she reached her Choctaw climax, Hevataneo and AJ withdrew their womb brooms and pointed them at Nita's innocent young face. As the young president began to reach the point of ecstasy, he screamed, you may stay, this land is your land. <laughs> and with that, his presidential penis pudding landed squarely on the honorable face of young Nita, as did Hivataneo's. Not in my eyes, screamed Nita, but it was too late. They had turned her olive countenance into a wet dream catcher. <laughs> sprang forth from her irritated eyes mixing with the man marinade of the two best friends the two new best friends to form a trail of a new kind yes it was a trail of tears but it was also a trail of cum thank you the not racist Andy Wood who else is ready back there who do I see Baron Vine ladies and gentlemen Baron Vaughn. As the uh, woman I was in the longest relationship with once said to me before sex, let's just get this over with. Um, <laughs> Sequest. DSV, deep sex violence. The ship was deep inside the blue ocean this day in 2018. And by ship, I mean the veiny cock snake of Captain Nathan Bridger inside Dr. Wendy Smith's Quollen Mound. It was blue. Blue because it had been beat up like Robin Givens' left eye circa 1989. <laughs> you must keep going, said Dr. Smith. But I'm obviously hurting you, Bridger pined. I knew you'd say that because... Yes, yes, you're psychic, I know. Interrupted Bridger. <laughs> Just be quiet. Let me keep stuffing you. Three days earlier, the Sequest team was exploring a deep, dark section of the ocean being considered for colonization. They were to test the rocks, caves, and water for suspicious or harmful bacteria. Local compuiz Lucas was jamming out to whatever music kids listened to in that time period. <laughs> with his pants around his ankles, jerking his member, punishing it like Robin Gibbons circa 1989. <laughs> while watching Sequest porn. Yes! An industrious gentleman had made a series of porn based on the DSV team that was selling like ocean hotcakes around the colonies. Ocean hotcakes were like regular hotcakes, except it was the ocean. <laughs> and there was tempura shrimp on them. <laughs> Lucas had his eye on the door, making sure to pull up his pants the moment anyone might enter. As he gyrated his left hand, so it felt like someone else, around the top third of his dick, working his way toward a testicle-emptying explosion of liquid chalk, he noticed the sound of the hatch opening. He pulled up his pants right as Kristen Westphalen was working her way through the hatch while he simultaneously worked his way to a jizzgasm while thinking of his of his working his way through her hatch while cross-referencing her image to his favorite porn performer, Sex Breast 
DS vagina, he successfully masked his newly post-pubescent goodies as Westphalen entered. Lucas, she exclaimed, are you finished? She turned, she turned to close the latch on the hatch, dropping a patch, which she bent over to pick up, showing the outline of her snatch to Lucas, causing a surprising end of penis day in his slacks. <laughs> he swallowed his moan as she faced him again. I am now, he said, pleased, feeling his sticky sea salt drip down to his knees. <laughs> Great, what did you find? Oh, snap! He didn't run the environment scan of the surrounding area. He didn't want Westphalen to know what he had been doing, so he performed the truest function of any relationship and lied to her face. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems all clear. Ready for examination. I'll alert the captain, confirmed Westphalen. Totes, said Lucas. What could go wrong, he thought. You see one part of the ocean, you've seen it all. <laughs> what was that, asked Lucas. A standing queef, said Westphalen unabashedly. I get them when I've been diddling my bean too much. Oh, said Lucas, pretending like he didn't want to taste her fingers. <laughs> Captain Bridger and Dr. Smith had found their way into the cave immediately below the ship. I'm not sure about this, Smith. Uh, had shown re uh, reticence entering the cave, sensing something amiss. Maybe we should ask Lucas to run the tests again. Seriously, shut up, Wendy, said Bridger. If there's one thing I know to be true, it's that you can always trust a teenager to do exactly what they're supposed to do. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have enough time to finish. <laughs> Bye, ladies and gentlemen. Coming to the stage, Mr. Kyle Kinane. For some reason, I thought this show was about antiques. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Chumley gathered up the recently acquired lace teddy that was so unceremoniously ripped from his doughy frame by old man Harrison. It was discovered at an estate sale and believed to have belonged to the late James Mansfield, and therefore it fit Chumley with a flattery that he rarely found in men's clothing of his size. <laughs> to see it tattered on the floor of the shop was, only, was already the second heartbreak of his day. The first being the old man's forceful hands, gracelessly, gracelessly clutching Chumley's shoulders as he pushed him over a beautifully restored Wurlitzer jukebox. <laughs> and wrestled his aged carriage into Chumley's callous garage. <laughs> it was Thursday and time yet again to weekly sing the lone chorus to what was becoming the theme song to these forced encounters. My name is Chumley and I like it in the bumley. <laughs> he returned sore-hipped and quietly to the back room where he had stashed a vintage hemorrhoid pillow he... <laughs> hidden an original Coca-Cola ice chest. <laughs> Sometimes I sure don't feel like a star, he said to no one as he reclined in, an, in a tattered Eames chair, too ragged to restore. <laughs> he had more in common with that chair than these people he used to call friends. Meanwhile, out front as the old man was fixing his belt, the door swung open, letting in the hot desert breeze. A young stranger strode in. What do you think I could get for this, he said as he pulled down his sweatpants and bounced his sticky love trunk onto the display case. 
Rattling a collection of various World War II medals and collectibles contained below. Old man Harrison grasped the man's offering, bouncing it up and down in his hand, as if weight alone could determine the value of such a rare gem. <laughs> let, let me get a closer look, he said, as he inserted his jeweler's lens. Normally, <laughs> normally we're not interested in newer items. He knelt down and let the man's wand fall about his jowls and gin blossom nosed. Teasing him until it finally granting access to his skull infested mouth. <laughs> the young man shuddered briefly, then spoke You don't have to bite it, it's real gold. <laughs> but what he possessed in confidence, he lacked in stamina, as the old man's prowess and keen sense of appraisal rendered the once majestic cock spent in a matter of seconds. The boy's knees gave way and he fell in a satiated heap next to a quite impressive collection of late 19th century candelabras. <laughs> the old man wiped his stubbled mouth clean and opened the register. Best I can do is 20 bucks, he said. <laughs> As he threw a couple of bills at the boy. The young man gathered himself back into his sweatpants, unsure of himself now that he's been professionally assessed. <laughs> he tucked the bills into his sock and disappeared into the shimmering dusk. That's all. Ciao, Who do we got? Someone popping out. Adam Caden Holland, ladies and gentlemen. Big round of applause. Do you want the stool? No, no, you did. You did, Rob. Okay, I had, a, I had a wrinkle in time. Yeah! So here we go. <clears throat> Meg's, Meg Murray's classmates and teachers had always found her to be disturbingly different. She didn't pay attention in class. She had disgusting, prolific dandruff like Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club. <laughs> in most days, between world history and study hall, she could be found aggressively fingering herself in the girls' bathroom. Not in a stall, mind you, but right there in front of the sinks. <laughs> in plain daylight. Sometimes leaning over doggy style even, then looking behind her and using the angle of the mirror to check the width and girth of her beautiful mystical vagina. Almost as if to see how much her adolescent minge could take up into itself. Like it was predestined for something greater. The young girl twirled her, twirled her little pinto bean with purpose. Consequently, she was an outsider. An outsider who once shoved an entire trapper keeper up there. Calvin O'Keefe was similarly alone. A big man on campus, sure, but Calvin held a dark secret. An anus as wide and gaping as your dog's throat when it's choking on a bully stick. And you have to pry apart its jaws to retrieve it. And it was rumored that much like the universe itself, his anus was expanding. Calvin was the stuff of legend. Indeed, in a soccer hazing incident, Calvin had once shoved a freshman into his shit canal and kept him there for nearly three minutes until the other teammates forced him to expel his teammate out into a in a fantastic chocolate explosion for fear they would kill the young man. So shit him out, Calvin O'Keefe did. After that, people started to talk. His anus has a hunger that knows no bounds, they would say. What could possibly be the purpose of that? But Calvin would show them. 
as with the elastic twatted young Meg Murray, for this duo was destined for greater things. Why are we at this haunted house? Meg asked Calvin, her vagina lips agape like a child with Down syndrome who just ate an atomic fireball. Who are these Mr. Mrs. What's-It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Which? And why do we have to go into space with them? There's no fucking time! Calvin O'Keefe snapped, his anus drooping like an elephant's lip against the itchy fabric of his knickers. Because it's clear the guy writing this has never read or even really heard of A Wrinkle in Time. Let's just get to fucking space already! Agreed, the three harpy sluts, Miss What's-It, Miss Who, and Miss Witch chimed in unison. And how do we get to space? They asked, almost mockingly. By shoving this magic tesseract thingy into our abnormally gaping orifices. Transcending the realms of space and time. Meg and Calvin shouted in unison, holding prolonged, prolonged eye contact. In that moment, Calvin's right testicle descended. It was a good sign. His asshole was going to need the extra space. <laughs> That's right, the trio cooed, for the wrinkle in time is not so much in time as it is in every one of you. <laughs> With that, Meg Murray slowly and meticulously front-loaded the tree trunk-sized tesseract, a device Meg's father had mysteriously invented into her fecund vagine. <laughs> While young Calvin O'Keefe backed himself puckerhole first onto the other end. A joker in that moment would have made a comical beep, 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 truck-reversing noise. But no one there was that depraved. Instead, Miss What's-It, Miss Who, and Miss Witch dropped their pants, laid on the ground, and proceeded to take turns tapping the paddles on each other's purplish, white-haired septuagenarian pinball machines until all three simultaneously squirted a clear sheet of ecstasy and the five of them magically ascended into space. Wait, why are we going into space again? Meg Murray managed to scream around the kayak-sized device now wedged all the way up to her sternum. <laughs> Something about your scientist dad disappearing, Calvin grunted. The 37 Chipotle burrito-sized magical intrusion up his backside, now tickling the back of his throat. <laughs> it's clear the narrator has no idea about the fucking plot. This book was obviously for girls. Why would he read it? I fear what he may have in store for us next. <laughs> and young Calvin O'Keefe was right to be afraid. <laughs> On the island of Cabmazots, where Wikipedia helpfully explained Meg's father was trapped, <laughs> an evil disembodied brain with powerful telepathic abilities called It, which was clearly inspiration for the Krang from Ninja Turtles, had taken over everyone's mind. <laughs> That's some fucked up shit, Meg yelled. Upon learning this fact, oh, for show, Calvin agreed. <laughs> Dropping late 90s level of bonics, wholly inappropriate for the era of this book. I bet the guy writing this is wishing that he actually read this book now because this shit sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and that guy was in fact wishing he'd read that book. He was wishing that while simultaneously resenting Kyle Kinane for getting Pawn Stars. <laughs> yeah, but there's no time for that now, Meg interrupted. You and I have to somehow extract this tesseract from ourselves and save the day from this brain thingy, it. 
With that, Meg held fast to a nearby rock, while Calvin bear crowd in the opposite direction and wrapped his arm around a tree. Each then exhaled painfully and pulled as hard as they could, freeing the tesseract from their innards with a loud, satisfying pop. <laughs> Hold on. Meg's vagina in that moment could be said to resemble a melted Salvador Dali clock. Calvin screamed, and then he disappeared into the ether. For without the tesseract shoved inside him like the Muppet they would never let Jim Henson put on television, he was useless. It's go time, Meg said aloud to no one, and with that she headed east, her labia dragging behind her like a discarded jump rope. Remember your gifts, Miss What's-It-Who, and which yelled as she went, still covered in the same primordial sexus that had orgasmed them all the way to the planet of Kazmazots in the first place? And remember her gifts Meg did, but not the gift of love or apparently the creepy gift of Bible patches. What the fuck? Are you kidding me, Wrinkle in Time? Girls were reading that in school. That's messed up. No, none of those gifts at all, but the gift of her gaping maw. You think you can outfox me? It asked again, sounding eerily like Krang from the Ninja Turtles. Just give it a try. But it never even finished that sentence. Meg Murray was on top of him, taking his entirety up into her fecund fetus, and with the delightful schoolgirl wriggle, suffocating him to death. Because as everyone knows, aliens on distant planets succumb to the same lack of oxygen as Earth villains. <laughs> with that, Meg released the now dead it back onto the ground. Trying to put her clitoris back inside of herself after that move resembled someone frantically trying to stuff dental floss back into the box. <laughs> But somehow Meg completed the task. And with a helpful, helpful fingering cess from Miss Witch, Miss Who, and Miss Whatsit, and a perfectly timed assist from the now Bosu ball-sized anus of a young Calvin O'Keefe, the whole gang was back on Earth. And to think, young Meg Murray said a few days later, at a celebratory gathering in an English garden with tea and lemon tarts and the other genteel stupid shit that middle school-age girls like reading about. <laughs> Who knew all along that the wrinkle in time was actually my giant, giant vagina? Thank you very much, everyone. Adam Caton Holland. And keep it going for Timmy Williams. How you feeling, Timmy? I'm good. All right. I've never seen this cartoon, which is why my story is titled Davy and Goliath. Meet David and Goliath. <laughs> it was the warm, loving tongue of his faithful companion, Goliath, that finally pulled Davy from the misty blackness. Where am I? rasped Davy. His throat was beyond parched. He felt the blood crack down his throat. I don't know, Davy. Is that what that dog sounded like? <laughs> okay, good. Goliath couldn't say much. He was a dog. <laughs> Davy tried to lovingly stroke his friend's head, but his hand was shackled to the wall. What's happening, Goliath? muttered a frightened Davy. I'm glad you asked, boomed a voice. <laughs> Who's there? cried Davy. A hulking giant emerged from the shadows. Why, it's me, Goliath! The massive naked brute stepped forward into the faint patch of light that barely illuminated the dungeon. Davy gazed upon Goliath's massive eng engorged, I can't read my own handwriting, penis. <laughs> His mouth dropped open. 
He found the giant giant's cock frightening, but alluring. <laughs> Davy could barely rasp, help me, before Goliath thrust his bulging club of flesh, called the Morning Star, in be- <laughs> That's another Bible story, Timmy. In between his lips and down his throat. Welcome to my dungeon, child, roared Goliath, as he pushed in and out, in and out, moistening his cock on the little saliva Davy had left. Davy was panicking, not because he was worried that this dinosauric member might destroy his uvula, but because he almost liked it. <laughs> Moan, said Goliath, and whoosh, said the seaman, as it waterfalled... <laughs> as it waterfalled down Davy's throat, bringing the child precious moisture and the slight taste of broccoli. <laughs> Goliath the bad guy pulled out and forced Goliath the dog to lick him clean. His new prisoners were now broken in. In a window far above this oral pleasure zone, a pigeon looked on the scene and wept. (laughs) I'm going somewhere, trust me. All right. The pigeon lighted on King David's window, miles from the sex dungeon. Ah, a pigeon, said King David in a delighted tone. Then he noticed its tears. Little Davy was awoken from bizarre dreams of hot dog eating contests and brontosauruses covered in, well, cum, <laughs> by the boom from outside. Several bricks shook loose from the wall and he could see what was happening. A brilliant and glistening naked teen was battling Goliath. No, wait, he wasn't naked yet, sorry. Uh, a brilliant and glistening teen with a skirt on was battling Goliath the bad guy. Davy hoped that he would be freed, but hoped the battle lasted long enough to produce sweat. <laughs> Outside, King David was distraught. He had tried swords, axes, hammers, and in a moment of true despair, a slingshot for some fucking reason. (laughs) Finally, he knew what he must do. Removing his little gladiator skirt thing to reveal his beautifully circumcised and big enough flesh sword, (laughs) King David rushed toward the cave-like urethra of Goliath's evil, uncircumcised dick. (laughs) King David shoved his brave pecker in and out of the giant's putrid glands. That's the medical term for the tip. Uh, (laughs) Finally, his royal semen rushed forth and was so pure that it melted Goliath's brain and destroyed him. Davy was free. Thank you, King David. You're welcome, Davy. But how can I get home? Back to my time. And again, King David knew what he had to do. Davy had heard 69 before, but never knew what it meant. (laughs) Now he did. His wiener felt so loved and welcomed by King David's gracious Israeli mouth. (laughs) And... And his penis was nice, too. It wasn't as forceful and rough as Goliath's. It wasn't as big, either, but that's okay. (laughs) The two Davids face-fucked for hour after hour to no avail. Finally, as the two Daves orgasmed and their pure seed rushed forth, the time tunnel opened. Yeah, duh, right? Did you see that was just going? <laughs> Dripping with curiosity and also cum, <laughs> Davy entered the time tunnel with eagerness and a little regret. <laughs> it was the creaking of the rope that awakened Davy this time. At last, he was in his own bed. He was home. But where was Goliath, his loving dog? He found him in the kitchen. 
I love you, Davy. Crocolias' last breath as the noose squeezed the life from him. Davy, hold on, hold on. Davy knew his pet would never kill himself, so what was this? Then he saw the dog's erect penis squeezing out a green pearl of dog cum. Maybe dog cum's green, I don't know. From the lipstick tip. This wasn't suicide, it was autoerotic asphyxiation. No wonder Goliath loved David Carradine movies so much. But Davy knew this was because Goliath had felt left out. During all of his oral escapades in ancient Bibliolia, uh, is whatever, he had never thought of his faithful friend. There is only one way to rectify this. Davy placed the red rocket donger in his mouth and sucked Goliath dry one last time. The end. Timmy Williams. All right, stay close, Timmy. Stay close. Uh, can we have everybody from round two up? You guys all around somewhere, somewhere, somewhere? We're going to do a little vote, a little vote. Round two. Round two people making their way to the stage. One more round of applause for uh, Baron Vaughn, Adam Kane Holland, Kyle Kinane, Andy Wood, and of course, Timmy Williams. So, uh, once again, I will remind you of what they all did, and then we'll vote. So, in order from the beginning, we had Andy Wood with Trail of Tears. We had Baron Vaughn with Sequest. Then uh, Kyle Kinane with Pawn Stars. Uh, Adam Caton Holland, Wrinkle in Time. And finally, Timmy Williams with Davy and Goliath. So, starting with Andy Wood, Trail of Tears. Baron Vaughn, Sequest. Cancelled. <laughs> Guys, remember what I said about that? Huh? Oh, <laughs> comedy. This guy. Oh, he's on TV. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Kyle Kinane, Pawn Stars. Adam Caton Holland, Wrinkle in Time. Timmy Williams, David and Goliath. All right, I think we have to have a runoff, Mr. Adam Caton Holland, Mr. Andy Wood. So one more time, only vote for one, sell it. Andy Wood, Trail of Tears. Adam Caton Holland, Wrinkle in Time. I think I'm calling that for Andy Wood, ladies and gentlemen, by a, by a hair. That does it for round two, and congratulations, Andy Wood. To hear round one from this show featuring five comics reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing, go back and download episode 49. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on iTunes. It's a big help, as are positive comments. Negative comments can always be directed to the podcast Terrified with Dave Ross. Upcoming live shows include February 18th at Nerd Melton, Los Angeles, March 7th at Union Hall in Brooklyn, and for more details, you can join the competitive erotic fanfiction Facebook group or follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.